is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am your host, Alex Fitton, and you can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast, and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. This is episode 10 of season five, episode 73 overall. If you're an overly observant person, you'll know that episode 10 is always a dudes who adopt episode, which I love. And that's where my husband, Brian, takes over the mic and interviews a fellow adoptive dad. So this is actually the last you will hear from me on this episode. Brian got to interview Charlie Lofton, who is actually no rookie to the podcast. Back in season one, Charlie and his wife Heidi sat down with me to talk about creating a supportive adoption and foster care culture within churches. And today, he and Brian are going to talk about forming a supportive culture among adoptive dads. And no, they were not talking about lame get-togethers that dudes almost never actually want to attend, but real meaningful, fun, and open community. I want to give a little bit of a background on the guys you'll be hearing from today. So if you're new to the podcast, you may not be familiar with my husband, Brian. And in addition to being husband of the best wife ever, he is also obviously a father of four. He owns Go Rogue X, a digital marketing company, and while he is not handy with things like woodworking and home repairs, he is incredibly handy when it comes to anything involving a camera and a computer, which is really great for me because he produces my podcast. (laughs) His guest, Charlie, has been in professional ministry since he graduated from Hendricks College in 1994. Currently, Charlie is the lead pastor in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the Grove Church. Guys, that's where I go to church. In addition to being a pastor, he would consider his most important role to be husband and dad to the to the four most important and beautiful women in the world, his wife, Heidi, and his three daughters, Maylee, Lauren, and Layla. Before we go listen in on their discussion, though, I have to let you guys know that they took over not just this episode, but the bonus content over on Patreon as well. Brian and Charlie both contributed to the five-day Bible study that is out today, and Brian did the bonus show that will be coming to your ears on Friday. If you want to be included in all of those great things, head to patreon.com slash theadoptive mom and check it out. A big thanks to our Patreon supporter today, Jolene Smith, for making episodes like this happen. And I hope you are loving all of the bonus content that you're getting because of it. So thanks, Jolene. All right, guys, let's get to it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Adopted Mom Podcast. I am here today for the Dad's episode. So I'm actually here with Charlie Lofton. What's up, Charlie? Hey, man. How's it going? Good. Good. So once a season, I get to take over the podcast, oh. right? Yeah. It's, that's, it's big a, t- that's, that's big time. It's big time. So I say I get to take over. I'm graciously allowed to have one time. And I haven't messed up yet. We're mm. five seasons? Yeah, it's our fifth season. So I've had five times of not messing up too badly to not be welcome back. So, but anyway, congratulations. Thanks. Hey, and this is actually your second time. So you're in the two timers club now. I know, right? Do you get a ribbon or a plaque um, or a pen or something? We'll have to find something for Perfect. it. Maybe an adoptive mom t-shirt because I didn't make the t-shirt. I mean, yeah, you can have a t-shirt. Perfect. <laughs> That's uh, you know, I may get in trouble for that. Well, this may be our last episode. All right. So, <laughs> so it, was, it was a good run while you had it. I mean, and then it was, you invited me and then it was over. It was fun. You know, it was fun. Um, all right. So actually today, so specifically, this is our dad's episode. And so 
I invited Charlie here to come talk about what it's like to be an adoptive dad, right? Yep. But uh, first, Charlie, tell us about who you are, right, and, and your whole crew. Yeah, so I'm Charlie Lofton and uh, pastor at the Grove Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We've been there for a little bit over nine years, have essentially been in some sort of ministry pastoring for you know 15 years almost 20 years, I guess, and then doing some sort of ministry ever since college. So that's just kind of been our family, whether it's college ministry or seminary or pastoring churches. Um, my wife, Heidi, we've been married, uh, was 25 years in June of this year. We have three daughters, and it's birthday season. They all have birthdays around around the same time. So when everybody has their birthdays, they're going to be 22, uh, 19, and 8. Goodness. And and our 8-year-old, obviously young people are always like, that's a... That's a um. Well, that's 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 quite it's quite the gap there, and then and then people are like, I guess she was a surprise, and I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> well, yes, kind of, yes, yeah. but not in the way that you think. So she's 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 our adopted, so uh, our our adopted daughter, and again, it's all all three girls. So I, I it's it's me, my wife, and three girls. That's my nice, nice, yeah, yeah, and that's uh. So you obviously girl dad. Yep, and so there are so many like stereotypes to that question. Was like, oh, I bet you shotgun on the front porch, and I bet you, you know, you're protecting all. You know, I mean, like the cliche stuff, right? But I've heard you talk about this in the past. What is kind of your spiel on being a girl dad? I, I would I would say that one of the one of, one of the best things that a, that a that a girl dad can do is just kind of be. We'll just call it a, like an emotional fulcrum. I mean. I'll probably just use words no one even knows what we're talking about right now. I've heard that Fulcrum Prison, right? Is yeah, that, indeed. That? Well, well said. I said, and I don't even need to uh, elaborate. Um, just to to bring calm and steadiness, to let to let everybody know that it's going to be okay, to mm-hmm. help to help everyone be okay, to 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 not add intensity to situations that call for that 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 are already intense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Um, Man, it'll it'll soften it'll soften you up for sure. Yeah, just be you know being in charge of shepherding those tender hearts and helps you have a more tender heart and and it's not about intimidating boys. It's about actually giving giving the daughters the confidence, you know, and and the self worth that mm-hmm. some idiot that would need a shotgun to pre- I, like she would never accept such a boy in the first place because. Yeah, yeah. She has the self-esteem and confidence to view herself that no 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 boy like that would even dare come to the house, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so with me, with having a daughter as well, like she's the youngest of our family. Um, I I completely now I can relate a little bit. I've heard you talk about this for years, but now I can relate with what that looks like. Just even her being so small and trying to instill in her that confidence and self worth and just all the things that you have talked about for years. And obviously, it'll as she gets older, it'll even mean even more mm-hmm. to her. So, but anyway, that's awesome. The challenge the challenge for you with a bunch mm-hmm. of boys and then. Than a girl mm-hmm. is that they have some differing standards. That I'm tough on the boys, but I'm yeah. I, I coddle the girl. I mean, she she's she's a sinner too, and yeah. and and need and needs and needs direction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know anything about that because I've only disciplined and raised girls. Yeah, but standards she, pretty pretty much the same. Yeah, she she has a sinner's heart. It's just different. It needs to be treated with different care, but with the same level of. We'll just say suspicion. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's awesome. All right. So talk to us a little bit about your adoption journey, kind of from your, your standpoint. So actually we had you guys, I said this before you two timers uh, on, on the show, but you guys actually um, were back in episode 11, I believe yeah. of the first season, which was really cool. So you yeah. and Heidi both were For on. Sure. And we, uh, that was a great episode. So if you haven't listened to that uh, after this episode, go back and listen to that and you kind of hear some of both of your, your stories, but I'd love to hear from your perspective as an adoptive dad, what that was like whenever you guys, um, really got Layla and, and that whole process. So just kind of take some time and tell us yeah. basically your story from your, your side of it. Well, one thing that makes me a little bit different than probably most dads is that I've always loved kids. I've always loved babies. And I was I was ready to have our first kid before my wife was. And there was never a point in which I've ever thought, man, we've, we've got enough kids. Like I just I, – I love babies. I love kids. And and so then we had our um, our first two daughters that were born naturally, but we also discovered in that process that that conceiving was was difficult for us. It would, it took over a year for both of them, and then we later discovered kind of what what the issues were that were going on there. But we never intended to stop, you know, to to end our family there. Um, but it just. Well, we weren't able to conceive again to have a third, and mm-hmm. and so then you just begin to naturally think, you know, it feels like that there's this this gap in our family, and maybe we should um, consider adoption. And Heidi, I would say she she was initially on board with that first. She was just like, we should adopt, and that's just I think for me that just um, that felt. That felt a little scary. Like I, I didn't really know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't really know anybody who had who had really done that, except under like really extreme kind of circumstances. It certainly was not normal anywhere that I lived, mm-hmm. and so there was just a lot of initial fear for me. And then we moved, and this was in um, the fall of two thousand and six. Um. And we were in, in Little Rock at Fellowship Bible Church, and I guess it was—I think it, it may have been the summer—and they had Orphan Sunday, and the, mm. the the leader of Family Life Ministries there in Little Rock was speaking, and they just talked about just the overwhelming need for orphans around the world, and a ministry that I'm that I know that you're familiar with, and I'm sure most of the listeners are. The Call, yeah, yeah. The Call um, in Arkansas—it launched. It essentially launched that week, and so. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, so it was it was birthed out of uh, some some people that went to Fellowship Little Rock. Actually, a, a girl I went to high school with, and I was like, "Hey, I know her. I went I went to high school with her." And yeah. she's up there. She's talking about this summit that she had with DHS there in Little Rock, and so she's talking about that the foster the need for um, Christians to get involved in foster care, which you know, thirteen years ago was a relatively new mm-hmm. concept. I mean, the calls become much more familiar to people over the last few years. And Dennis Rainey's talking about adoption, and then they had just out there in the lobby, they had every adoption agency that you can possibly imagine was out there with brochures. And something happened to me in that moment where I was just like, "Okay, I'm in," and I grabbed everybody's brochure and pamphlet and everything. And it's like it was just it was just a question of where we were going to get these kids. And I think my moving from uh, one extreme to the other, what felt to Heidi extremely quickly, mm-hmm. it freaked her out a little bit. Mm. Interesting. And and um, suddenly suddenly now she was like whoa 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 whoa, and and so now we're I'm I'm on board 
and 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 she's the one that has some hesitancy. Yeah, yeah. And so man, that that was that was okay. I mean, I mean, I I understood, even though I really in that moment I believe that this is something that God has for us in the future. I didn't push it. I didn't press it because, you know, you bring a new kid into your home, especially in, in our home. It, it, it will radically change ninety percent of Heidi's life and radically change less of mine. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's a bigger deal for her, and so I didn't want this to be something that we did because I pressured her. And then I also believe this that there's a lofton out there somewhere, mm-hmm. and at the right time, God will bring the lofton into our home. Yeah. And so I didn't have to, I didn't have to pressure my wife because I knew that God was ultimately in control of this. So then you fast forward to. Uh, 2010, when we moved here to Northwest Arkansas, and we again we were there when they brought the call. We were we just happened to be there when the call launched, and then we were in Cabot, Arkansas. We helped bring it. We were the our church helped bring um, the call to Lone Oak County, and our church was kind of the sponsoring church for that. So we were kind of the we were the first county outside of Pulaski County wow. to have the call. Yeah, and and I was actually on the the board of directors there for a little bit and super involved. But we we again we never took the leap, and then by coincidence, which I mean God, yeah, we moved yeah. up here in 2010, right at the moment they were bringing the call to Northwest Arkansas, and they asked me to speak at their launch banquet or whatever. And it just became more and more apparent to me that this was the path that it was not international adoption or something like that. that. This was the path that God was calling us to. And I think mm-hmm. over the course of those first few months being here in Northwest Arkansas. Heidi began to get more and more on board, and then it was February of 2011 that we started the process with the call, which is really interesting. We'll just kind of do a little foreshadowing here. Um, the, the the daughter that ultimately we got to bring into our home was born in November, and mm. November minus nine months is February. So right at the wow. moment in which somebody – somewhere else in Northwest Arkansas was making a really bad decision under some really bad circumstances. Um, God was drawing us finally together in unity to, um, to start the process of adoption. Wow. So then, you know, we, we spend, you know, it's, it's a relatively long process sometimes, you know, getting certified with DHS and, and the very first call that we got after we became foster parents um, I was heading on an out-of-town trip for three or four days, and they wanted to bring two yeah. small boys into yeah. our home. And my wife was like, ah! <laughs> and so we did, We said no. And then when I got back, the very next call that we got was we had said that we were interested in, in having a newborn, which a lot of parents aren't because you can't put them in daycare. Yeah. But we, we were willing. Yeah. So we got this call um, on a Tuesday morning. And... Um, um, they they called they called Heidi and were like, hey, are are you are you serious? Like, are you really serious? I have a newborn. There's a baby born on Sunday, and you need to understand that this this mom has lost kids to before, and so do not take this baby in unless you're willing to adopt. 
Wow. And she says, well, let me talk to my husband. I'm sure she played it real cool on the phone. And she calls me. She is freaking out. I'm at Chick-fil-A <laughs> waiting to meet somebody. And I'm talking to her on the phone. Like, what do you think? And like, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm excited. It's like, what do you think? It's like, I think this is awesome. I think this is great. This is the one. This is the one. And she's, and then she finally, for like two minutes to talk, she's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm sitting here at Chick-fil-A waiting for Zone Zone. She's like, why are you not coming to where I am? And where are <laughs> so I got in the car and we started, you know, we did this conversation together. But I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was excited. I mean, yeah. it couldn't have been more thrilled. And then the next morning, uh, Wednesday, we got to go up to the hospital. She was in the NICU. We got to go up to the hospital, and um, our older daughters were with us, who were fourteen and eleven at the time. But they couldn't go in, but a mom and dad could. And once the the DHS worker declared us to be the foster parents, we could go in. But the girls wanted to see her too, and I still remember. I'll remember this image for the rest of my life. The uh, the nurse raising our Layla up, Lion King style, yes. through the little window through the door. <laughs> And, um, and everybody just, sang together, and there was a, a <laughs> yeah. African like. Well, there was. Let's just say there was a lot of crying. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of in unison. Yes, there, you know? and um, wow. it was one of those things. Like I remember, I remember holding her for the first time, and um, like this, this one's mine. Yeah, <sighs> and um, it is. Like I said, it, we just celebrated what we call her Forever Day. Yeah, yeah, which is the anniversary of her adoption. She was born. In November, November 6th, and then they called us on the 8th, and then we brought her home on the 10th. And it was 11 months later, um, on October 10th, that we mm. adopted her. So we just got to celebrate that, and it has just been nothing but eight years of joy yeah. for me. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Oh, I really, I mean, I, <clears throat> from my point of view, too, I mean, I understand that feeling of holding the newborn, because with us and Rock, I mean, that was... That was that moment I still I still remember when I got the call as well of where I was when we started talking about it and it was like the crazy idea like we, I, they just they call us yeah the baby's at the hospital two weeks old in the NICU like <laughs> what do we do are, are we crazy for even considering this and then it just kind of morphed into obviously why of course we have to do this like there's there's no why in the world are we even going through this like we have of course we're going to do this right and right. so um but yeah being being able to hold him for the first time like that it is an unbelievable feeling just unbelievable mm. and you got i mean how you said sunday so that was a, just she, a couple she, days she was three days old when we met there were she was two days old when we met her and two days old when they called three days old when we met her and four days old when we brought her home wow Goodness. So we joke about the 48-hour pregnancy, yeah. <laughs> where it was, they called us on a Tuesday, yeah. and then Thursday we had a yeah. four-day-old baby in our home. Goodness. That's that's fantastic. Um, okay, so just kind of going back back what you talked about with the call, I did not know how involved your story was with the call. I mean, because, I mean, we've had, and the director on her, actually, season five launch was Ann mm-hmm. Mythaller, which is the director of the call in Northwest Arkansas, and so... Um, just what they do is a huge ministry, and that's that's awesome. That I mean, for us, we are obviously involved, but I didn't realize how intricate they were in in your story. Yeah, becoming adoption. So yeah, it was really cool. We we lobbied pretty hard when we were in Cabot. We lobbied pretty hard to we 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 kind of pressured the call just, yeah. to say you, you you can't just do this in Pulaski County. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, man, we need to we needs to be more established first. We need to we need to, no 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 no. And so then we. Yeah. We we brought it out there, and um, at one point um, in our in our journey there, we um, we we had we had more homes than 
we had, we had more homes open than they had babies in Lone Oak County. Seriously, we were we were a feeder county. Is that what that means? Like 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 just like yeah, we had, we yeah. had more open homes than there were babies in Lone Oak County that wow. needed to be put in foster care, and it was it was pretty amazing. And then again, just. It was really cool. I don't know how they found out who I was or that I was moving there, but I, to I mean, I had only been here maybe a week. Yeah. When they called me, say, "Hey, we're launching the call here too. You want to come speak at this deal?" Which, I, mean, I would love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Love it. Well, and that's so part of our story. I mean, we we were one of those that actually jumped <laughs> into into foster care, and then obviously the call and 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 went through all the training with that. And so, I mean, they've been part of our lives as well. So that's, it's really cool what they're doing. And I know that several other states are trying to mirror what they're doing here because it's working so well um, because the training is so much easier to get into. Right. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's an incredible ministry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So really one of the things I want to talk to you about, because we, as adoptive dads, right, we, we get into this and it's usually, typically it's usually the wife saying, Hey, I want to foster. I want to adopt. Um, and then the dads are drug along, right? And so that's that's the stories that we hear all the time. But um, I think with with even with my story, right? Alex says, "Hey, I think it was our second date that she said, hey, I want to adopt.'" <laughs> uh, can you imagine? I'm, I'm sure you can't even fathom us having that conversation on a second date. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> and so I was raised um, really. I mean, my parents. I mean, it was any anybody that wanted to come to our house and have dinner. I mean, we had kids and families, and it didn't matter who was right and so i was already open to that that fact and my my parents had always wanted to adopt and so never were able to and so i was used to that so it's, yeah i mean that's something i would like to do so she says hey i want to do this i actually started the initial paperwork right kind of prayed through i'm like you know we need to do this and so i knew it was going to be me kind of taking that charge too but what was it like really as as the dad kind of leading this charge right for you to jump into the call for you to kind of like you talked about how he kind of was I uh, had a little bit of reservation, but what was that conversation like to really kind of get to that same point together? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there was, I mean, there definitely felt like there was a supernatural element to it to me of just like it just really felt that February the call was hosting a interest meeting at our church, mm-hmm. and there just it just seemed like there was just something I felt like God was doing. It's like now is the time, and so. My responsibility then is to, as we were just talking about being a dad of daughters and having, at that time, a wife and two daughters, so three women in my home, to gently lead them to where I felt like that God was calling. And so in that moment, really all I needed to do was to convince my wife that it was okay for us to start the process, which wasn't intimidating at all because all they do is fingerprint you. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. Seems, it seems, seems it can be a little bit, in, a bit, little bit intimidating. But just to be able to assure her in that moment, hey, we're not – if we're going to this meeting and start filling out paperwork and let them mm-hmm. fingerprint us, they're not going to immediately the next day put seven kids in our home. Yeah, yeah. This is starting a process that we could we'll, that we'll just walk together. Yeah. And so I think it was important for me to just be able to gently walk with her and to let her in her own time catch up with – what I was very clear was God's leading. Yeah. And you don't have to feel a whole lot of anxiety about that. If if it really is God leading, then ultimately we're both going to end up there. Yeah. But then it was also very important for us, too, as the, um, as the process got um, closer and closer, and we we're kind of realizing, hey, eventually we're going to be in be an open home to make sure that our two daughters, again, who were 14 and 11 at the time, to make sure that they were 
they were on board. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the summer. It was the summer we were we were driving them out to camp, and you know they were theoretically excited about yeah, having a baby yeah. brother or sister or whatever. But I was like, man, you need to understand. Like, if we bring in a kid, I mean, we don't know what the situation's going to be like. We don't know what's going on. And it's going to change some things. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, well, like what? And I tried to describe <laughs> it in the most negative way possible about yeah. how it was going to completely disrupt their lives and how we weren't going to be able to go out as often as we, we, we would want to. Probably would be limit the vacations that we could go on. You know, we, we wouldn't all be able to do things. Like sometimes like somebody would have to stay home with a kid. Like we couldn't all go to the soccer games. Can't all. I mean, I, I just described it as negatively as possible. And then after that five minutes, they looked at each other other and then looked at me and were like is that it <laughs> and i'm like well um, yeah i was like we should totally do this <laughs> and i think any hesitancy that that heidi would have had in that moment yeah. was would 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 be completely evaporated and so that was like june or july of yeah. that year and then it was just then it's just a matter of prayer and again we we kind of had this mindset there is a lofton out there yeah, yeah, and God has put us on this journey to 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 find them, and there was just a to be able to gently and slowly in their timing get everybody on board and to kind of put this picture, this overarching picture of it as God is orchestrating something. Mm-hmm. God is leading us; He's moving us down a path to join us with a lofton that's somewhere out there. Yeah, that needs that needs to come to our home. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, and I know that within our church, um, at the Grove specifically, I mean, you've really done a good job. You and Heidi both have done a good job of like really fostering a community of like, hey, this is this is our calling. This is who we are. This is who we are as a church. Like, we are here to help the hurting and broken, and that includes foster care and adoption. I mean, multiple people in our church have adopted, and so <clears throat> I think I've attended. I think I think there have been. Eight forever days. Good grief! Yeah. In our church since we yeah. since we've been here, and that's not including a couple of um, international adoptions yeah. as well. But it's been yeah. pretty cool. It's amazing. Well, and that's that is not like I know that not everywhere is like that, right? And so um, we have really a lot of listeners. And I know Alex um, mentions this a lot of times, but there are a lot of people that are kind of feeling like they're on an island, right? right. And so they're in this foster care journey or their adoption journey, and they're just kind of by themselves. We really talk about even with around here, even with the support and the community that we have and the call and everything, it's hard for guys to, uh, specifically adopted dads, to like kind of get out of our own shells, right? And and talk about the stuff that we're going through because it is, I mean, it's difficult. Like there are a lot of difficult things. And um, I know we talk about how everything was just, you know, rosy. And that's what a lot of, uh, hey, you're going to get a, a child in your home. And you see all the pictures and the stock photos of like, oh, everybody's wonderful and this is great. And and so we, we get into this and then all of a sudden realize wow, this kid has trauma or the family associated to to the child has trauma. And there's all these things that are wrapping around it. Right. And so as a dad, you're kind of in this, like, what is my place? Right. Right. And so, like I said before, a lot of times it's the mom kind of leading the charge. What would you say to those guys that are out there that are trying to trying to figure out, like, I, I, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. How do I step up as the leader of the house, the man of the house, the spiritual leader of our house to, to really bring confidence and strength and, and that type of stuff during some of the insanely hard times 
whether you know in this journey what would you what would you say to those guys yeah i mean to me this that's a question that has a a lot of different layers to it because let's just let's just take adoption and foster care out of it we could we could do a completely separate podcast with a different title and a different thing and say why is it that guys go through the journey alone yeah yeah and why do why do guys struggle to lead their family during difficult times? Mm-hmm. Why do guys struggle to lead their families well in all the times? Yeah, I was say. right. I yeah. mean, and and so there, there's a there's a lot of layers to that. There's a lot of things that can that that we could talk about. And 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 the main thing that I always want to communicate with guys, and then we can get into more. We'll obviously get into more of the specifics that are related to adoption and foster care. Is that when you think about your role in your family, you need to think about two things, initiative and responsibility. If, if, if there is something that needs to be done, if there's something that needs to be fixed, if there's somewhere that we need to go, whatever, I need to be the one to take the initiative. I, it's my initi- I have to take the initiative to identify the problem, to, to see the problem, or not necessarily a problem, just some, some good place that we need to go. I need to be the one that takes the initiative. And then ultimately, however we journey through this process, I take responsibility for wherever we end up and whatever decision that we make. And then how we get from point A to point B is a question of your particular family and just knowing knowing your spouse well, knowing your kids well, and how to how how to gently get them from where they are to ultimately where you believe that God wants them to be. And so most guys struggle with both of those things. Mm-hmm. If I say a guy, hey, you're supposed to be kind of leading out in your family, we think of it in more in terms of authority and control. Um, and then when you flex your authority and your control over your <laughs> over your spouse and it doesn't work, yeah, you throw your yeah. hands up in the air and go back to doing nothing. Yeah. And we, we, we think in those terms, initiative and responsibility are just more, are significantly more difficult, more nuanced, harder to do. And, and because of that, because it's one so countercultural and one and, and, and it's hard to do, it, I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to surround yourselves with other guys who are at least trying to do that. And like, I'm I'm trying to be a, a good husband. I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to navigate my family through this process of becoming foster parents or pursuing adoption. I'm trying to navigate all of the challenges of now I have this family that you know where where what's going on in the behind the scenes doesn't match the Christmas card mm-hmm. or the yeah. or the, or the testimonials that you'll see on brochures or things like that and 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 too often, a guy is afraid that he's the only one that's struggling, and so I, I, I don't initiate with guys. And so I ha- if, if I'm going to talk to another guy about it, then I have to put on Christmas card face. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm so desperate and broken, and I know I'm so far from Christmas card face that I couldn't, I couldn't do. I can't, I can't talk to you, Brian, because if I did, I would only be able to tell you how broken and scared and desperate I am. So I don't want you to know that about me because there's a comparison and I need to be better than you. Yeah. And yeah. so all this fear and things, they hold me back. And then you begin to tell yourself other lies. No, no, one, no one will understand. 
No, yeah. no one will understand. And so no one understands my situation, so there's no one to talk to. Let me tell you, it is better to talk to someone who doesn't understand than to no one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think about, you know, when you and I were talking, I mean, you, I, I had, there was nothing I could relate to really about bringing a teenager into mm-hmm. our, into our home. You, I mean, you, you, you reach out and you, and you bring a, a teenage boy into your home. I have, I have no boys in my home. I certainly have no teenage boys in my home. And our experience with adoption was with a four-day-old baby girl. Yeah. yeah. So I did, there was nothing – there was very few things that you could say that, man, I totally get that. And here's when I had that very specific situation happen in my home, yeah. what we did. Yeah. I, I had I had none of that. But still, it was better for us to talk than not. Yeah. Yeah, even absolutely. if I don't understand, even even if I say something and you're like, that clearly is coming from someone who doesn't understand. It is it is better to at least get some of the things that are in you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so I think too often we're looking for the perfect person to talk to. Like I feel like I have to be perfect, which is ridiculous. So I know I'm not perfect, and I need help. And, and I can't look for the perfect support group. I need the first available person yeah. that is willing to just sit and, and talk. Hey, everyone. It's Brian cutting in to tell you guys that you should definitely support the amazing Adoptive Mom podcast by reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. Here's a recent listener review with the screen name A Different Human. They say, Alex isn't afraid to ask hard questions and get a variety of guests to answer them from different perspectives. Adoption advocate and truth teller, a great combo. Love that she hits adoption from all angles. All kinds of adoptions, adoptees, and other advocates. Keep it up. That's an awesome review, and we thank you so much, A Different Human. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to the amazing reviews you guys are going to leave because I was able to do this episode. So make sure that you put on there that the dad's episode is by far the best episode. I'll be looking for them. Thank you, guys. And then ultimately... There's going to have to be a level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to say I'm struggling. I'm willing to say that sometimes I don't know what to do with this kid. Sometimes I think I made a, the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think we made a mistake in doing this thing that we did. Yeah. And you're like, and you're afraid like DHS has bugged your house <laughs> or the adoption follow up people have bugged your house and they're just waiting for you yeah. to say that and then something really terrible is going to, and they're going to put you in adoptive parent jail or something like that. Or, yeah. or if I say this to you, then, then you're going to judge me. And, and that fear holds us back when really there's eight people at the table. Eight people are thinking and only one had the courage to say it. When one has the courage to say it, yeah. then theoretically, the dominoes should fall. Yeah. And I found that more often it it does. Yeah. And then specifically with this community, man, I think it's important that we appreciate that there's just a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. You say like 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 the call specifically or whatever, there's a group of Christian men who are in adoptive and foster care situations and we we a group of us we want to get together and 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 talk. Mm-hmm. We think well, we we have a lot in common. Well, I think way too often, what 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 Christians can do anyway, and I imagine this would this applies to everybody, is we focus on the things that are uh, that are very different about us. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, our church 
believes in this and we don't do this and I and 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 it's like we we um we focus on the differences as I can't really trust you because you're different in this way. And honestly, I would I would suggest that people in the in in the situation of trying to manage the challenges of a different type different looking family to kind of have the same mentality that like say a missionary would have in like a a third world country like here you're in northwest arkansas and you you can put down 30 things that matter to you in a church and have very specific opinions about all 30 and find just the right church yeah because there's just that many choices okay i'm going to go be a missionary in afghanistan like you're like suddenly like well, I just I just found someone who follows Jesus. I'm like I don't care anymore that you're Presbyterian. I don't care anymore that you're Catholic. I don't care anymore. I think somebody who who gets it and yeah. to have that kind of mentality where it's like we're in a very difficult place. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to put aside the minor differences that normally hold us back. And just embrace the fact that we're kind of in a war here together. Yeah. We're in a battle, and I and I need people. And so I think it's important for us to then just drop a lot of the things and yeah. and just pursue it with with transparency and with boldness. And I think ultimately, whoever takes the initiative to do that will be very pleasantly surprised by the results. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely a hard situation to where you actually get into, uh, especially not being able to be vulnerable. But I, the minute you are in that moment and you say, hey, um, I yelled at my kids today and I feel really bad about that. And all of a sudden somebody's like, well, oh, yeah, I, I yelled at my kids, too. And I, I thought I was the only one. I was thought I was the only dad who ever got angry. Like, and all of a sudden you realize, like, wow, you're having that same issue. And then the domino effect starts to happen, right? And you start to get into that to where it's like, oh yeah, and this happened, and that happened, and and I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about like what you said. Right. Hey, we made the wrong decision. Is that is that right? Did we did we make the wrong decision? And then all of a sudden you get into these other situations where these guys are going through other things that all of a sudden you they start opening up about it and you're like I can't really relate with that but then all of a sudden you can in just a year or so and all of a sudden you're like oh hey I remember when this guy went through hey and then that phone call starts and so it really is and I, I would encourage if that's you as a dad listening to this episode right now and you don't have a community of people find that one person right that you can talk to and and they may not have the same set of circumstances but it obviously starts something it starts a process and then once that happens like you said it really um it really has an effect and even even with us up here we have we joke about it's like our community group of guys are are actually have more are getting to the point where we have more people who don't go to our church that are included (laughs) in that community group you know what i mean so it's like we have these multiple guys that we're friends with that are christian dads or adoptive dads or foster like all of a sudden we're just kind of all coming together and it has nothing to do with the Grove Church. Right. It's just like, hey, we meet every every other week and we just hang out and, and talk through what what life is is throwing our way and how we can overcome it. And that has built a community around it. And that's that's cool. That's something that it's taken years to kind of foster, but we finally are getting to that point where I can walk in and say a bad word. No, no, the, no, you know, no, no, we don't say bad words. Um, but it's, it's at that point where there's no judgment, right? If I, if I'm having a terrible day, I can just let it, just throw it all on the table and everybody can 
then not, I don't feel like all of a sudden like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm leaving. Right. Now everybody's judging me and they're telling their wives and now Charlie's going to hear about it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You know, so it is one of those things that I think that starting that process, it might just be you. It might just, you know, honestly, as a Facebook group, there's a lot of times that just those Facebook groups in general, you can share a little bit about what's going on. And that could be a starting point to actually meet somebody in person, grab coffee, something along that lines. Um, and doesn't they don't have to look like you. Yeah, and I, I, we're all just desperate when we're struggling for somebody to tell us, "Hey, that's normal." Yeah, yeah. And 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 to be able to be that encouraging word to somebody, and 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 to and to restrict your own judgmentalness. You yeah. know, sometimes sometimes somebody may say something that is like legit shocking. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, true. But that yeah. you can create a safe place for them to do that, and and you know, you just. The, the healing that that can bring to somebody is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I mean, we talked about I mean, being being realistic too, knowing somewhat knowing your audience, right? Right. And kind of feeling that situation out. Like it, it's easy to kind of go into all, all of the things and then you could really could scare someone off like we had some people in our lives that really couldn't handle what was right. going on. And and that's okay. And that's we don't, okay. We don't hold it against them. But now we've we figured out, hey, I can go to this person, and they do understand. And I can open up about the trauma and the things that have happened in our lives. And they're there, and they're, they're supportive. Um, and so kind of feeling that person out when you are meeting with them to make sure, hey, you know what? I can give you a little bit of this, and I can trust you with this. And, and building that over time, I think, is, is really, really valuable. So. All right. So, Charlie, we're going to move into real quick some of our closing questions. Okay. All right. So, I'm following my wife's direction here. That's so good, hey, man. You, you know should what? You be proud. I am. You get you get you get 5 husband points for that. Do I? Thanks, mm-hmm. man. Maybe I'll get a t-shirt. Who knows. All right. So, um what do you wish you had known at the beginning of your journey here? What was, what's something that you wish you would have known? And I, I I'm the kind of person that um, likes to be able to anticipate everything that can happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, if, if if I do if I do X, then one of these three things will happen. And if option two happens, then in option two, these five things are a possibility. And I and I like to have some some sense of which, like I don't know what's going to happen, but I know the range of possibilities. Yeah, yeah. And I like to think of myself as someone who doesn't need to be in control like oh man i'm real open make it, i know it can be any of these things i don't and I'm, I'm not trying to make it be one of these things but i do need to put things in a box mm-hmm. where it's like I, I i i nothing is going to surprise me yeah yeah well that's just ridiculous well it's ridiculous <laughs> in all things about life yeah, yeah but even if say the dhs worker or the um the person that you're working with, your adoption specialist, whatever group you're adopting through, they they line out for you the process. This is what's going to happen. And they don't know either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were told at before we even met Layla, there is this is 100% going to go to adoption. And we know that there is no one else in the, in this family that would ever want to try and have this kid. This is going to be as smooth as it gets. There are going to be no problems. And I just believed that. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. And it wasn't true. And I look back on our eleven month journey, and it really was 
the simplest of the stories that I know. But even still, it was not what I was told it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so don't don't have plans. You know, don't don't feel like you need to control it or manage it or understand it. Just go where God is leading you and just take it as it comes. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So even so, you kind of mentioned some of this, but was there is there anything that you would have done differently in this? Uh, no, I mean even even when it even when it, when it looked kind of scary there for a little bit that things were gonna things weren't gonna work out, we weren't gonna be able to adopt her or or whatever. Um, one of the things that we said was um, we're gonna love her recklessly, and we use that word intentionally. That. To, to love her recklessly would mean to know that 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 we could lose everything. We could we could, we could have our heart completely broken yeah. by it. Um, but that's what she needed from us. She didn't needed she didn't need guarded love. She didn't need tentative love. She didn't need conditional love. She had no one but us, and we loved her recklessly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would not ever recommend because of the journey. Is going to be uncertain. I would never recommend to someone that they guard their heart, mm. that to still just plow forward as if this is exactly what I need to be doing. And so, I don't. I don't think. Again, except just understanding that the unexpected is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I needed to do that. But not do the very natural thing that people do with that, which is to try to guard my heart. Yeah, I didn't need to guard my heart. I needed to recklessly pursue her heart. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I say, I want to say, would I do some difference? Like I would have protected myself a little bit better. But I, I, I want to make sure that I'm really clear on what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. I'm open to whatever happens. I'm not going to let a bump in the road devastate me and shock me. So I need to. Pre- guard my heart in that sense but i don't want to overstate it and make anybody think that i'm saying that you should do anything but love recklessly the person that god puts in your home even if it ends up being only for a season yeah wow that's good that's good um what is the your favorite way that your guy friends have supported you yeah there's one story in particular so i was i was actually on a mission trip in um in asia when Layla was, wow, maybe, maybe, maybe two years old or whatever, and both of the both there were some college students there, and then a couple of real life grown ups, and both of those guys um, had adopted as well. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and and they were describing um, some real problems that they'd had because the kids that they adopted came from difficult situations, ended up in their homes at. Three years old, five years old, seven years old, mm. you know, and yeah. it's a very different. And they, they were describing some situations where um, they were having a hard time, like the the kid was having a hard time bonding with the dad, yeah, because yeah. of trauma that the dad didn't cause. I mean, there's trauma that was caused before, but even still, that. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the, then they kind of looked to me to kind of pipe in because there's three adoptive dads talking, and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, she was four days old when we brought her home, and. I was really the first dad she ever had, and she loved me from the beginning. And so I don't. And I, I remember saying something along this. So I don't really have like a, like a real adoption story. Oh yeah. I remember yeah. saying that to yeah. them, mm. and even though these guys had experienced huge amount of trauma, and and in that sense had 
real adoption stories. They looked at me and said, do not ever say that. Yeah, yeah. What you have done is significant and it matters and you are you will battle things and don't ever minimize what you've done because your journey has been somewhat easier than someone else's. Yeah. And that really meant a lot to me because I mean just just to help me and so then so then then I can feel a little bit more freedom just to talk about the things that have been that have been challenging because yeah. I I didn't feel like well I, I can't really like the worst thing that's happened to me is like on a scale of one to ten like a one point two and you guys are sharing nine point fives and so I have to keep quiet and they're like don't you dare yeah. your story is your story and what you're and your family are battling is real to y'all and don't 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 think for one minute that we think of you as like some sort of secondary adoptive dad. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way too when we talk about like when we say, hey, yeah, we've adopted two and we had a teenager and people are like, oh my goodness, that's wow, that's crazy. And I think about it and I'm like, you don't even understand the people that I know who are like <laughs> seven or eight kids in yeah. and they've had all this trauma and I'm like, we've got it easy. So I feel like I can't even have a seat at the table a lot of times because of that too. So that's, that's actually pretty encouraging. Um, all right, so what is a way that you have felt hurt or misunderstood by your community or guy friends? Well, I mean, I don't think anybody has ever really like done something that's like intentionally hurt, intentional, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But just the the phrase, and I'm sure. You, if you, you know, do you do you do you find it harder to love Layla more than your real kids? Mm. Mm. Like real yeah. kids, I mean, I'm gonna yeah. flip the table over here on you right now, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, just 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 things like that, like. You're you're asking a question out of curiosity, and I'm sure there was just a great heart behind that. Yeah. What they're asking is, is do you what what has been different or more difficult about having an adopted kid in your home, and how is that different than your natural born? You know, and they're they're not being particularly careful. Yeah. Yeah. With their words. Yeah. And I know they mean well, but at the same time, like. I think more than anything, it triggers the dad in me. Yeah, it doesn't really offend me, but I feel like you have offended. Yeah, oh. this precious jewel in my home that we all four together collectively decided we are choosing to bring her into our home. If anything, that gives her a more special place in our home. Yeah, she's the only one that all four of us chose. Wow, and so I would just, I you know, people out there, I would just be be careful with your language. But then I guess my also encouragement to people would be don't 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 take out your frustration on the person that said that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can gently correct them like, hey man, we, we really don't like to to use that yeah, kind yeah. of terminology. Well like, and somebody from outside the circle doesn't really understand. That. I mean, the fact that they're trying to get to know it's trying to make a connection with you right. in that moment and understand what your world is, I mean that's it's easy to just say how dare you ask me that i've heard those questions before even in our community it's like when people say well which ones are yours you're like well they're all mine yeah it's like (laughs) you're trying to fight me or what yeah (laughs) and so but it's it is somebody with grace you know giving them grace in that moment because they are trying to make a connection with you and trying to like understand what's going on in your world and so um no that's good so you've shared a ton of stuff and on this episode i appreciate it charlie but what's kind of your last Final advice for guys who are in the trenches right now, adoptive dads or foster dads who are just kind of in it right now. What's a what's a word of encouragement for them? It's it's so worth it. What you are doing is of an immense 
immeasurable value. I mean, I say this to parents who only have natural-born children, that one of the the most significant thing that you will ever do in your life is to take care of a human who can't take care of themselves. To go out of your natural orbit mm-hmm. and to go and get a kid who has no one to take care of them and to bring them into your home and and to 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 give love and care to them is there a greater thing in the world that you can do than that i mean there might be some theologians out there some people who really are into missions that might would you know you could maybe if you worked really hard you could get something on that level yeah yeah but you you would you would be there's no way that you could convince me that there's anything greater that one can do with their life than to go outside of your little world and go to some child who has no one and bring them into your home and provide safety and love and care for them. Yeah. And so it's hard. It's challenging. Um, you want to quit sometimes, and all of those feelings are natural. But know that this thing that you're doing is one of, if not the greatest thing that you could do with your life. And so be encouraged. Find some people in your life that encourage you and keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. You've given me those words in the past, too. Oh, so same. thanks, yeah, man. Same. That was good. That was good. Um, all right. So if people wanted to connect with you, where can they find you or learn more about your You can find me just about anything. If you go to about any social media site and just search for Clofton. Clofton. C L O F T E N. Yeah. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, Charlie at the Grove Church dot org. Yep. Um I'd 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 love to help you any way that I can. Or talk about Razorback basketball or anything. Razorback like basketball, yeah. If if you're a Razorback basketball fan, then you've got an end. <laughs> if you're a Kentucky basketball fan, we'll have to get over Eesh. some things. But yeah. Yeah. I'm Oof. I'm I'm willing to if I'm willing to look past denominational differences. <laughs> I'm I'm Almost willing to do that. Almost, almost. So for those of you that are Patreon supporters, we're going to jump over there and uh, get to know Charlie a little bit more. Right, Charlie? Yes. Yeah. Some, some. well, I was going to say some like deep and personal questions, but mm. oh, sounds oh, intriguing. Okay. It does. So anyway, we're going to jump over there. So if you're Patreon supporters, make sure you guys go check out this week's uh, upload on patreon.com forward slash or the backslash forward slash the adopted mom podcast just say slash everybody knows what you mean the one that's at the bottom bottom right of the keyboard that's right everybody's like 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 oh no he said he said backward slash that's the wrong (laughs) one and you're gonna search some weird place on your computer for the different slash everybody knows the one they just slash just slash you remember the conan o'brien sketch where he was like every time they would announce a a website the conanobrien.com slash and then slash would come out and play like oh yeah yeah yeah. we need that i'm gonna add that audio on here but anyway hey we'll see you over there on patreon all right well hey thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh you can find out obviously more information about um just this episode show notes and everything will be at the adoptive mom podcast.com and uh i guess I, i have to hand it back over to alex here for this next week so she'll be back next all right week. it's good it's good we'll, we'll see how this one does to see if i have a, have a chance see if, if she still week. has a i'm on audience after yeah. this <laughs> all right hey well thank you guys thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast i hope you found encouragement here i need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job we are all in this together and i am over here cheering you on don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at the adoptive mom podcast.com. Thanks for joining us.